0: Enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to EvolveNetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. If you would like to become a qualified health coach, then the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, or IIN for short, can help you achieve your goals. I completed the health coaching course many years ago, which has been one of the catalysts for my own journey into what I now love to do, which is to help people achieve greater health through the sharing of information through my books, seminars, podcasts, TV shows and films. I recommend IIN for anyone wishing to pursue a career in the health coaching and wellness space. IIN is a one-year course, so that if you're a full-time worker, busy parent, or wherever you are in your life, it is flexible enough so you'll be able to complete all the required curriculum. Please see the link included in the podcast show notes or my website to access the free sample class and first module of their program. This will give you a great taste of the format as well as the structure, and you can also utilize my special discount that I can offer you if you decide to sign up. Make sure you tell the admissions team that you're part of the Pete Evans Tuition Savings to claim your very substantial discount. Please visit integrativenutrition.com or email admissions at integrativenutrition.com. Rob Herring is an environmental filmmaker and musical activist. He produced The Relation Trip and directed Produce Nothing in Los Angeles, which received numerous Best Picture honours. Rob worked on the critically acclaimed GMO-OMG and is a producer on the follow-up to the world-famous Zeitgeist Trilogy. As a musician, Rob writes songs for health and eco-activism and he headlined the Rock for Nature concert in Berlin for 25,000 people. Rob is also a certified health coach and is the co-founder of Integrative Pediatrics. Rob's latest film is titled The Need to Grow. To find out more about Rob, please visit his website, earthconsciouslife.org. That's earthconsciouslife.org. Rob, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. Pleasure to be
1: here. Yeah, we're talking about an important topic today, so always happy to chat about it.
0: So tell me about this topic. I mean, I haven't watched your film yet. I'm just about to watch it tonight or actually tomorrow with my wife. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. So tell me the name of the film and the premise behind it, please.
1: Great. So myself and my co-director, Ryan Weirich, first met to talk about this idea of, can we make a film about solutions to agriculture and our food systems? And the film ended up being called The Need to Grow. And it came out last year, and we're actually in the middle of a global screening event right now, which we'll talk a little bit more about in a minute. But uh, we connected over this idea of so much anger that we were seeing in the movement of activism, rightfully so, and a lot of blaming and finger pointing to kind of the problems that are going on in the world and these big multinational industries that are depleting our topsoil and destroying our farmable land. So we asked ourselves, you know, is there a way that we could tell this story that we thought would resonate, hopefully, with younger people more and get them more excited that would focus on maybe some cool, hip, sexy, new technologies? And at first, when we were going down this path to start the film, we were looking more at indoor vertical farming and rooftop and LEDs and all of these cool new technologies, hydroponics, aquaponics, et cetera. But very quickly became apparent to us that the real issue for the future of humanity was our degrading topsoil. And so the idea here is understanding the difference between dead dirt and living soil, and they're very different things. One is truly alive and has these billions and billions of microorganisms even in just something like a teaspoon or a tablespoon of soil can have more you know, life, more microbes than there are human beings on earth, for instance. So what's going on in there is still you know, an untapped region of scientific discovery yet to happen. We literally know more about the stars than we do about these soil microbes. There's tens of thousands of different species And what they're doing is truly magical. And the role that they play is so critical. We've kind of overlooked them because they're invisible life forms. But as we worked on this project, you know, we nerd out about soil a little bit in the animations and some interesting information is in the film. But really at the heart of it is these human stories, as you'll see. And for anyone who has watched, it follows three very different solution innovators at very different scales, very different types of people and what they're doing and how they enter the solutions at different levels. And so we were hoping to provide an opportunity to inspire people that there isn't just one silver bullet solution, but that there's so many things that people can do at whatever is the right scale for them. So we could talk more about soil itself, but you know, let me know what is of interest
0: well, I'm fascinated by it, especially at this particular point in time in history. It seems that humanity has taken us off course. I think that's the best way I can describe it. When people have ill health, it just means that one of their foundational principles or pillars of health is out of alignment. And generally, once you identify what that is or the combination of those are, whether it's our diet, whether it's the water, whether it's connection to nature, whether it's our emotional well-being and belief systems or our spiritual purpose. Once we identify where we're out of balance, it's usually pretty simple to start bringing it back into balance, you know, because once we're aware of it, we find the solutions. And there are solutions for everything out there, and that's the beautiful thing. And I have a feeling that's where we're at at the moment with films like yours and other ones emerging at the moment. They're really solution-based issues in which we can bring that imbalance or misalignment back into perfect harmony or as harmonious as we can, <laughs> you know, it, it will take a little while probably. So let's talk about the solutions that so you talk about, you follow three different ways of doing this. So take me through the first or the second or the third or however you'd like to uh, explain sure. it. for us.
1: Yeah. I love what you said about this idea of, you know, looking at the foundations or the pillars of health and as someone you know i also had studied nutrition before i got into this which is how i first got involved in activism in the food system and kind of switched my gears partly through instead i was on the verge of going to naturopathic school to become a naturopathic doctor and i ended up studying on my own in a different way and channeling my energy through you know, how do I use my unique talents in filmmaking and storytelling to do something that I think would be maybe just a different approach that I could bring specifically. And so when I was on this path, I thought, you know, the whole human health thing is so selfish. It's really much more about the environment, right? And I kind of switched my thinking and, you know, it's all about saving the planet and future generations. And over time, as I think many of us realize, is they're the same thing. You know, these human health solutions are the environmental solutions, and vice versa. And so, you know, when we have those foundations out of balance, it's really, yeah, once you track it back further and further and further, what is really the origin of this? I think the beautiful thing that, as you said, is emerging is this shift towards hey, if we don't start talking about the solutions, then they never happen. And, you know, it's a critical awareness that does need to happen for people to understand the problems. But for many of us, we've passed that point. And now I think we're just being hammered with too much negative information, to be honest, right? So, you know, showing us the polar bear floating on the ice floe that's starving is not doing anything for us anymore. It's just leaving us feeling paralyzed. And so at this point, you know, if we're not offering a solution with the conversation, I think we're doing a disservice. So with us, you know, we tracked it back further and further in the food system, and so much comes back to soil. So soil really addresses, you know, our food. Obviously, our nutrient density has been exploited over even just the past 40 to 70 years in tragic ways where nutrient density is just depleted so much from the minerals being ripped out, and our agriculture system that has a very minuscule approach of inputting a limited number of inputs a nitrogen phosphorus and potassium in particular to get a big growth kind of thinking like injecting steroids you get a growth but it's really not how these plants should be growing and so they're sort of silhouettes of what once was there and even our you know our grandparents generations were just consuming more micronutrients vitamins and minerals when they were eating the very same foods whether they're organic or not so we wanted to take this conversation one step further right organic is going to remove all of those pesticides and harmful fungicides and herbicides and synthetic fertilizers from being sprayed on the soils but now how do we actually get soils that are building themselves year after year right organic is just what's not there but we need to be thinking in terms of regenerative of how we're going to rebuild those soils so When we look at the solutions that do exist, it's really quite awesome because nature is quick. Relatively, we can draw down this atmospheric carbon load that we have. And so, you know, I'm calling from California today where the air is dramatic. It's very eerie. And many people have possibly seen this lately, if you're watching this around September 2020. And... You know even in just a couple minutes breathing the air you get a headache out here it's terrifying but things like this are going to hopefully shift people into a different stage of taking things seriously maybe that's kind of the silver lining of some of the negative stuff so when we looked at these three stories that we were telling well one is an eight-year-old girl and she's an activist and she's actually taking all the excuses out for the audience as she changes her community. And I don't want to spoil the, the film for you, but she's she's doing a lot of great activism through things like petitions and school gardens and building seed libraries, but just really transforming on a local level. And we have this I kind of think of them as Goldilocks, not that there's one perfect, but that they're three different scales. And sort of the middle scale is this renegade farmer, sort of a Clint Eastwood type who is out there doing this high-powered micro farm In the middle of an urban environment but he's growing over cement which seems wild until you see the system and what he's doing which is with soil and it's a totally zero waste off-grid it's some of the most nutrient dense we tested food from a lot of different farms you know we traveled for years around north america his food is incredible and we've had it even verified through analysis of the nutrient density He's doing something magical there. When so many experts come down and taste his food, it's pretty wild. And you'll see in the film what strange things that are going on. And then the third story is this Willy Wonka mad scientist who is in the middle of Montana, of all places. But what's so unique about this character, and he's really the heart of the film, is his background is all in technologies that have influenced pop culture over the years so he invented the first 3d animation technology bought by disney he was used in aladdin he worked on video game artificial intelligence on huge video games like fifa and madden grand theft auto and halo some of the younger people may know what those actually are and he also was doing signal processing for bands like pink floyd and the beatles back in the day transferring them into digital for the very first time. So I say all that because his resume is so strange to then be shifted into agriculture. Which is what is so cool about it is he started applying his ai thinking to natural systems in a way that is completely unprecedented. And so he actually started thinking of you know natural resources like carbon, nitrogen, and algae and sunlight what if those were characters in the game and in the same way that a soccer player would you know in the game know to automatically pass it forward to you this way or that way in a cooperative sense and what if we allow these systems these components of nature to actually communicate through just basic sensors. This isn't like Terminator-style AI, but being able to communicate in a way that's saying, you know, hey, I've got a little bit more nitrogen, what do you need this for, right? And once they were able to optimize these restoring compounds that geologically take, it's kind of mind-boggling. It's almost, it sounds too good to be true, which is why I hesitate to say, some of the estimates that we have, but in a few days he's regenerating resources that could take hundreds to thousands or theoretically longer, many more years. So those things are what are known as humic and fulvic acids that you would get normally in composting at very, very small parts per million. And so currently we have an industry that uses a bit of these humic and fulvics that come from a layer of the earth called Leonardite shale which is about 15 million years old. It's a finite resource, it's mined out. But what happens is it acts almost like a plant hormone in a way, a biostimulant to boost plants' immune systems. And and folks who use it know that it's a fantastic fertilizer. And he's creating these resources at concentrations that are unheard of in the amount of time. So it's a bit nerdy and it gets in sort of the soil science, but when you understand and when you see his process which looks like a spaceship by the way that just landed in the middle of montana and when you see everything that it does because it's powered entirely out of waste that would otherwise go to landfill and emit carbon and methane and nitrous oxide all of these greenhouse gases but when we take that waste and put it into something that actually is going to regenerate resources and create electricity as a byproduct and create all of these phenomenal things um it's quite astounding. And I've never seen anything like it still. And we're just so honored to be a part of sharing the story because it's gotten some people's interest lately. So I think we need those types of minds out there who are not just getting into engineering to make the next dating app or shoot 'em up game, but thinking, you know, what else could this technology do, right? And folks are starting to head in that direction, because, you know, these devices and things are going to be They're fine. Escapism. Entertainment is not evil. There's nothing wrong with it to a degree, right? In balance. But eventually it does come to the point where we need to just (laughs) reprioritize a little bit of, uh, you know, let's try to make sure there's a planet so we can continue to play these little video games and things first. So, yeah. So he's a really cool story. And there's some twists and dramatic turns that (laughs) I won't give away. But if you watch the trailer, you'll see quite a bit.
0: My family and I have been using beautiful, high-quality essential oils for the last 20 years to live healthily every single day. Now, if you're passionate about health and are ready to step into leadership, I want to invite you to partner with my team and I to build a beautifully successful doTERRA business. Register at PeteHLC.com backslash Pete. That's PeteHLC, which stands for the Healthy Living Collective, .com backslash Pete. So I want to ask you a question because from my understanding and from the doctors and researchers, professors that come onto the podcast, we talk about the root cause of disease and it can be emotional, spiritual, physical, environmental. So what do you think the root cause of planetary disease is right now? I mean, it's common sense, it's human beings, but what do you think actually is the underlying reason for this? What do you think is the root cause for, it, for all that we're seeing happen to the environment, the monocropping, the use of pesticides, agrochemicals, these types of things. What's the root cause? Like nail it, simplify it for us. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think it is this myopic disconnect from the humans are separate from nature that humans are, I mean, even in the Webster's Dictionary definition of nature, it actually says something along the lines of everything other than humans, which I thought was mind boggling, that it's us and then nature's out there, right? And so we are animals, obviously. And so within uh, our kind of arrogance of humans being different than the rest of the natural world, we have this sort of exploitive attitude. And you know whether that be these invisible microbes that we can't see that are the foundation of all life on Earth and the foundation of our own human life, right? As we're exploring more about the gut microbiome, the beauty is that the Earth's soil is very literally the Earth's microbiome. And as we destroy one, we destroy the other. So the same things that are killing our soil microbes are doing it to humans. Okay. And that foundation, I think, of going back to the evolution of life itself, it kind of makes sense that, you know, those things that have been here all along are actually the kind of the further up the chain of the family tree of life on earth, right? And so, you know, when we ignore them or separate ourselves and think, oh, it doesn't really matter, things are washing downstream and everything's outsourced. And so it's this lack of understanding of closed loop or interconnectivity which is what's so beautiful about when astronauts go up to space and you don't have that overview effect right there's this phenomena that happens with astronauts when they see the earth from that perspective and realize wow it is one thing it is a living being it is breathing it's has veins it has all of the things that we associate with being alive, it is. And we're the little microbes running around on its surface, right? And so, you know, we can be good bacteria or bad bacteria, just like that are in the the gut. So we need to, I think, outbalance those. It's not as many as it seems, right? The damage that's happening is, I think, such a small percentage of the human beings that have let greed and power and control take over I, I truly believe that most human beings are good at a fundamental level and want to do what's right I know I hope most people do believe that but the temptations of course get out of control and um, you know it can be human nature to succumb to wanting more of this and wanting more of that so for us I think it's really interesting to look back at the history of civilization and look at when civilizations decided that they needed to conquer further areas right when a civilization has food and water you don't really get much civil unrest if i can take care of my family and we're good and you tell me that i need to go to war i might think a couple times more than i would have because i'm like wait a minute i'm okay you know but if i'm starving and my family doesn't have access to things then i become a bit more desperate right so when we see some of the civilizations that have perished and you can just think about when we've run out of resources, we have to then take some from our neighbors. And really, if we were able to regenerate our resources in a way, we might have, I think, truly a more peaceful planet. If we were to adopt these regenerative practices, you wouldn't see people needing to risk their lives because they would have what they need. So I certainly went far from a very simple answer, but uh, yeah, it's this idea that we're different or that we somehow deserve something other than the other beings on this planet. I think Mother Earth is telling us the truth right now about our, you know, overconfidence, and she's going to continue to tell us that, sorry, you can't keep doing that. So whether that's through environmental disaster or just the continued chronic disease rates that are going out of control. But it's not a coincidence that they're both happening at the same time. And the Band-Aid fixes that we have are going to become more and more obvious to people that it doesn't work. So the way that I see it is, you know, some of the medical system It's the same way that we do social justice. It's the same way that we do agriculture. It's always going in and exploit something that we claim is the problem. But unfortunately, that exploitation is profitable right now on all three ends. And so we're not addressing the foundations to actually rebuild the system to avoid needing those interjections, right? Whether that be police, whether that be medicine pharmaceuticals whether that be pesticides and genetically modified foods and things like that all of them will continue to push their narrative because they make a lot of money for people so the more that people wake up to our power of what we vote with with our dollar i think that is going to help drive it things need to happen from the top down of course but they really won't happen until enough people demand it and our dollars can drive that actually faster. I think a lot of the time, because when the market share gets gets iffy for companies and they realize, hey, I can actually make more money. There's a big company. I don't know if they're in Australia at all or if they sell their products. They probably do, because the West is a they're really good about you know shipping our American garbage all over the world. But there's, a, <laughs> I shouldn't talk bad about them, but uh, there's a company called General Mills that makes a lot of sugary cereals. Not a huge fan of most of their products, but what I will say is they're trying to transition into regenerative agriculture and other companies. There's rumors of of even more uh, what I would probably call destructive brands out there who are changing you know, what they've done to the land and their relationship to it because they're realizing hey if we can't make our product in ten years, you know, this isn't a sustainable business model anymore. So I think once that starts hitting. From a financial standpoint, as long as we exist in this capitalistic world, then the money will probably make it a little bit easier for change to happen. So I'm hopeful that that is inevitable. It's just how gracefully do we do it and will it be too late from an environmental standpoint? I don't know.
0: I hear you, brother. I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The information, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical, or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences, and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.